Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's nothing like getting together with your parents and siblings over the holidays and then realizing you're plotting their murders halfway through dinner. Being with family members, especially around the holidays, can be tough for a lot of reasons. But the main reason you're unhappy has to do with your expectations. So today I'm teaching you the three big problems that you're facing with your expectations and the one tool you can use to create connection and joy this holiday season. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. You're here. I'm here. We are ready for the holidays. And I have to tell you, I actually, you know, I record the podcast early. Um, I try to stay about at least a month ahead and I forgot the holidays. When I was in, so I'm squeezing this one in. <laughs> I, I just, I just wrote this the other day. I thought, oh my gosh, we need something before we get into the holiday season. And I've done a bunch of other episodes on the holidays, and I will link to those on the show notes. So I always try to bring something new, something different that I haven't already said. Uh, So I have, you know, I'll link to them. But I've had other things about how to deal with toxic family members around the holidays and just my top tips for, you know, really more of those like little tools for how to prepare and how to walk in and all, all those things. I have those in other episodes. I promise to link them. 
So you can come on, and everyone knows, I hope that you can come on over to the website. I have had a lot of you also ask, you're looking for older episodes of the podcast and you can find those all on my website. I know, I think Spotify starts, it, it changes. Sometimes it's like episode 124, sometimes it's episode 112 or something. I think there's just so many they keep at a time, but I always keep all of the episodes uh, on my website. So you can always do a search there and you can start at the very beginning. It's so funny when I listen to the really early ones, I, you know, I got better at this over time as you hope I would over a few years. So uh, it wasn't as good then, but I, I'm still really proud of every episode I've ever put out because they've all been from my heart and they've all been meant to help. So anyway, and if you are uh, watching this on YouTube, you know, please subscribe and give it a like and anywhere else, please leave a review. It really does help me. It's, it's the, you know, these are free. I'm happy that they're free. I want you to get amazing information for free. And the one thing you could do for me is to say thank you for all this wonderful content is to leave a great review. Give me five stars if, you know, I, I'm hoping you're leaving a good review if you're listening and uh, to like and subscribe on YouTube. Like those are the best ways. And if you want, I'm wearing a fabulous white, cool sweater today. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see all my latest fashion, watch me on YouTube. Uh, and I am uh, recording a little differently so that the videos there was just a few videos in there. I tried to do them with Zoom, just wasn't working. Uh, I don't like the quality. So I've gone back to the way I was doing it, which had good quality and great sound. Um, anyway, so here we are. So let's get to it. Enough chit chat. <sighs> so I wanna really start with your expectations. And that is what's getting you into trouble around the holidays. And obviously all this applies any time of year, but especially around the holidays. And there's a great quote by uh, actor Michael J. Fox, if you don't know him. He's also a, um, uh, what's, he has Parkinson's, so he's a, he's a real proponent of, you know, doing research around Parkinson's, et cetera. So he's amazing, incredible, incredible actor. Anyway, and he said, he says, my happiness grows in direct proportion to my acceptance and in inverse proportion to my expectations. <laughs> I don't think there could be a greater quote about what I'm going to talk today about today. So, and really let that sink in. So let's talk. So what are your expectations? What do I even mean, Abby? What do you mean when you say expectations? Well, an expectation is basically a belief you have about something that's going to take place in the future. I, I think people don't realize that that's what they're doing. Basically, you're playing fortune teller. <laughs> you're, you're making a prediction and yes, it's based on your past experiences or other information you have, but that's all an expectation is. And the problem is that because you're predicting the future, your expectations are all about the core. That's what sits at the core of your unhappiness. It is. Uh, yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> your expectations are really the reason you're unhappy in the vast majority of situations. So... And I'm going to give you a really low stake example, just off, not even about relationships. I'm going to give you a, a low stake example about steak. <laughs> so let's say you go to a high-end restaurant, okay? You're going for dinner and you order the, the $150, the $200 steak. You like it medium rare. You know, there's a certain good sear on it. So your expectations will likely be pretty high 
meaning you'll expect, you'll predict that the steak will be cooked perfectly, that it'll taste incredible, right? Because you're spending all this money, it's this high-end place, great you know, reviews, whatever. And if it doesn't come to you that way, you're likely gonna be pretty upset. Uh, however, if you're ordering you know, a $9 steak at a local pub, you're still going to hope your steak, because again, an expectation is a hope or a, you know, <laughs> you're going to hope your steak is served medium rare because that's how you ask for it. But your expectations of it being perfect and tasting delicious are lower because you're at a pub and it's nine bucks. So if it came to you, you know, if it comes well done, you might think, well, you're not going to be happy about it, but you're not going to be as disappointed as you were at the high-end restaurant. You know, well, that's what I get for ordering a $9 steak in a pub that doesn't serve good food. You know, that might be what you think. You likely wouldn't be as upset because although you, again, had expectations or hopes about your steak, they weren't as high, okay? So the, the steaks didn't feel high for that steak. I had to say that. It was so cute. Come on. Okay. So in fact, Think of this, if that $9 steak was cooked well and tasted, you know, even just okay, but was cooked like you asked, you'd be pleasantly surprised and you'd really enjoy that. You'd think of it, oh, this is a great deal, nine bucks a steak, you know, it's not amazing, but for nine bucks, it's good. So you might even tell other people about it and note it in your head as a truly happy experience, a good positive experience, even though you only spent $9 and the steak was just okay. You see how this all works? I hope you're catching on. Now, in relationships, those expectations really become an issue because like that $150 steak, the stakes, again, I'm punning with the steak, stakes anyway, the stakes feel higher when it comes to family and the people we love. And we know that. We know that we have higher expectations for the people that are closer to us. We do. I'm not going to get into all that research right now, but we know this. So here's the thing you got to take in, okay? So, so you're like, yeah, okay. Of course I expect more out of my partner than I do out of my, you know, coworker Betty. You know, like, oh, yeah, of course. Well, I, I want to really, it, 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 it's actually, if we're disappointed by Betty, it's going to have less uh, hurt than if we're disappointed by our partner. Again, because of those high expectations and what we're thinking our partner should be, should be doing versus someone else. And our shoulds are very involved in all these expectations. But here's the real issue. Your expectations shape and blend and bend, sorry. Your expectations shape and bend your reality. Let it sink in. I know. If you've had high expectations about that $9 steak and it was just okay, you might have been very angry or upset all night. But here the, here's the deal. The steak, the steak is the steak. It hasn't changed. It's your expectations about the steak that made it enjoyable or not. When you expect that that Thanksgiving dinner is going to be a shit show, guess what? It'll be. When you predict because that's what you're doing. You're predicting your expectations that your mom will be passive aggressive at Christmas dinner because you wouldn't come early to help, uh, you know, set up or something. That's what you'll see no matter how your mom acts. And I'm going to get into the nitty gritty of this, but we, you know, everyone, you know, you guys know I'm in recovery from heroin addiction and in the, in the 12 steps, in the, we call it the rooms, you know, in, in the 12 step rooms of NA and AA, et cetera, we say expectations are premeditated resentments. 
<laughs> and and oh, it's so good, right? Expectations are premeditated resentments. So, so good. Uh, if you notice, I quote the stuff from the rooms a lot because we say some great crap in there. I got to tell you. But anyway, here's a simple truth. If you've ever been disappointed or frustrated, your expectations were too high. I mean, the dictionary definition of disappointment is feeling sadness or displeasure because your hopes or expectations were not being met. Right there. So let me get into these very specific problems we have when it comes to expectations in our relationships. Okay. So problem number one is your expectations about what family and holidays mean. Okay. Because you, you hear things like people say blood is thicker than water, family's everything, you know, never forget where you came from, right? We, we hear all this stuff. So that this is setting up a lot of expectations in our heads. Family relationships can be especially hard because of all the expectations we have of each other. So maybe that has to do, you know, in my family, there's, there's an expectation that I'm going to be easygoing. I've always been the easygoing sister and daughter. That's, that's who I've always been. I've been the one to sort of, there's an expectation that, oh, Abby will do it. You know, she'll, she'll, she'll take it on. And I have not wanted to disappoint in my previous years. I've changed over the years, of course, you know, practicing what I preach, but my vast majority, you know, a lot of the majority of my life, I did it the other way. Um, maybe it's because you think that being related means you should all get along or hold one another as a highest priority. That's an expectation. Maybe it's dealing with your parents thinking everyone should be the same because you're all from the same family. That happens a lot. That's an expectation. Perhaps you're being told that you uh, that you like things that you don't anymore. Do you have these expectations, right? Have you? <laughs> what do you mean you want to watch? You don't want to watch the game. You love football. Or since when do you not like turkey? You know, I. It's so right. I'm sure you've heard things like that. So it, you know, at the end of the day, our families often don't give us the space or the permission to be who we really are. So we end up feeling, you know, misunderstood, not seen, not heard. But we go into these special times with our family with high expectations. Even though we kind of know all that stuff, we still, we, there's this hope or optimism <laughs> or something. It's not even always optimistic because, again, we have some negative expectations too. But, but we go in with something like that this time, you know, that's the reason we go back. And we're inevitably, you know, crushed. These expectations are inevitably crushed. We have all that should thinking in our head. And that's really where it gets into trouble. Everyone should be nicer around the holidays. I should be appreciated for all the work I'm doing or all the effort I'm putting in, right? Uh, uh, my dad should treat me with more respect. My mom should be nicer to my partner, husband, wife, girlfriend, whatever. My brother should help out more around the holidays. Why is it always me? Uh, we should definitely go see your parents for Christmas. You know, you might say that to your partner. It's the right thing to do. The whole family should be together. These are all things I've heard. You know, it's Thanksgiving. We should all be together. I've heard all these things. I've said some of them myself, but I've heard them from clients for so long or and from even friends. And so expectations are definitely higher during the holidays because of assumptions about how things are supposed to be or feel. So we have all those expectations just about family and what's that supposed to be. But then, you know, the holidays, well, there are time for family to be together. 
you know, yeah, we want to go to Hawaii this year, but we should be with our family. Holidays are supposed to be fun and full of joy, and then they're not, and then we're really disappointed. Um, oh, what what do I see the most? You've got to go all out for the holidays. You know, you're spending money you don't have. You're spending time you don't have, right? You're putting all that out there. Uh, everything needs to be planned out so it's perfect. Everything has to be perfect for the holidays. Uh, I, I've got what I, these are all things clients have said to me. Um, I've got to invite everyone. It's the holidays. <laughs> My other favorite, we're making memories for the kids. So everything has to be big. Uh, we have to keep traditions going. You know, you, you have to do certain things, even if nobody likes doing them anymore, because it's tradition. You find your language full of, you know, we have to do this. We should with very little input of how you're feeling or what you want. You know, you feel like you're responsible for others being happy at the holiday or not being lonely at the holiday, right? These are, again, shoulds. You have to cook an elaborate meal that takes days to complete. Should, 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 should. All of these things are your first problem. Your your ideas about family and your ideas about family and the holidays. When those two come together, those expectations, those beliefs, you get into some trouble right there. Problem number two, you don't realize... And this is probably problem number one. <laughs> so these are in no particular order, but you don't realize that you're creating your reality. Okay. You're going to push back, but I'm pushing back to you. And I'm going to bring up some things I've already said, and I have something new to say here. There are many things you think are fact right now that aren't. I say with love, you know, I adore you. I say this with love, but you do this because I know, because I hear it all the time. Maybe you just take it for granted. You say things like, well, anyone would think this way or any sane person would agree. I hate that shit. I hate that. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Don't, don't you put it off on other people. These are just things you believe. These are actually your expectations. And because you expect something, you'll usually get it because your expectations create your reality. Even though you've been thinking you have expectations based on reality. Oh, I'll say that again. Your expectations create your reality. It is not true that, I know you think this, you say, you say no, well, I've been seeing this reality. And so now I know what to expect for the future. Uh-uh, it's the other way around. I know it's mind bending, I know. And this is for a few reasons, okay? Three, I'm going to do really quickly because we have already mentioned them many times before, but I'm just going to say them out loud again. But the fourth, I haven't mentioned before, and I'm going to say that too. So these are for the following reasons. One is psychological, something called your confirmation bias, right? We, when you, we know this is true that when we, we have a, a, we try to make ourselves right. We try to prove ourselves right all the time. So if you think something, we have a confirmation bias, meaning that we will find ways to prove it's true. That's psychologically. Brain-wise, you know, how physically our brain is, or biologically, you so psychologically you have one thing, and biologically you have your reticular activating system, which I've talked about many times, which is basically a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. And so whatever you think consciously, it sends it as an order or instruction to your subconscious to look for that thing. This is your reticular activating system or your RAS. So if I think my mother's always criticizing me, that consciously that sends it 
uh, to an, as an order to my subconscious, look for my mother criticizing me and I will find it everywhere. I will see her criticizing me everywhere. But the problem is that the RAS also will filter out because the brain is so beautifully efficient. It will filter out anything that doesn't match. So when my mother is supportive, when she's loving, when she's kind, when she's appreciative, my brain doesn't see it. So you think you're seeing reality because you only see her criticizing you, but you have created that because you have thought that thought, your biology, because that's kind of how your brain works. It thinks if you're thinking something, it must be really important. So what it's doing, this is, you know, ancient brain wiring. I'm thinking I'm hungry. I need food. So the brain gets very efficient only looking for things that might be a food source and ignoring other things that it's 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 just how the brain works we haven't evolved past it so uh, and but today this is how it shows up and then lastly you know well not lastly the third thing that I've talked about before is that our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second but our unconscious brains our subconscious processes information at a rate of 11 million bits per second so when so people don't hear what they say, right? What I say, they hear what I mean. So as I'm talking to my mother and I'm <laughs> and I'm, you know, resentful and angry and doubtful that I'm ever going to hear anything good from her, that's what she picks up on and she gets anxious and nervous and doubtful. And then that energy comes back at me and then no matter what I, she says, I'm feeling the the doubt and the worry and that other crap under there. So I'm feeling all the fear-based stuff, even when she's saying a nice thing. And then I think she's not saying a nice thing. Ah, uh, no. All right. And and again, I've talked about these before. But the one thing I haven't talked about before, I'm always looking to throw new things in there to, to really have you understand what I'm talking about and believe it. So there's one new one I'm going to throw at you. And it's known as the nocebo effect. And the nocebo effect is basically the opposite of the placebo effect. Now, the placebo effect, I'm sure you've heard about it. It happens when a, you know, a patient thinks they're getting a drug to help some condition they have, but what they're really getting is a sugar pill. And then they start to get better because their mind has convinced them that they will. And we know that placebo drugs have an incredibly high effect rate. Because <laughs> I know there's, a, again, tons of research on this, but we know that they, it's again, this sort of mind over medicine, we sort of say, you know, this mind over matter thing. And we know that this works. So, but there's also something called the nocebo effect, which happens when patients are given a sugar pill, but told that it's a drug, you know, it's going to help their condition, but it has these negative side effects, X and Y side effects. And then those patients start to exhibit those negative side effect symptoms, even though it was only a sugar pill. I know, right? Crazy. So you can have negative effects too, not just positive ones. And uh, 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 most of the research I've ever read about this is from John Kelly. He's a PhD. He's the deputy director of the Harvard Medical School's program in placebo studies and therapeutic encounters. Okay. So, you know, we're going to think he's a smart guy, right? And I'm going to give you this quote from him. You know, I don't always quote people, but this is a really good one because it's got a lot here for you to listen to. So please listen a lot because there's two parts to it. So he says, whenever you look at any randomized control trials, okay, meaning we have these, we, we call all trial, we have a control group. Like, so with that, with placebos, we would have 
we would have a group that took a sugar pill. We would have a group that took the real pill that we're trying to see if it works. And we would have what we call a control group that took nothing, that did nothing. And we're going to compare those three to see there's always a quote unquote control, okay? Because it's letting you know for sure, you know, here's people who had no intervention at all. You know, what is the baseline of this thing? That's what we're always looking at. Okay. So whenever you look at any randomized control trials, that's what he's talking about. It's surprising how similarly the side effect profile for the placebo often mirrors the side effect profile for the active treatment. It's the power of the imagination. If you, and here we go, get this. If you ask someone to imagine a visual scene in their minds, you can see on an MRI that their occipital lobes, that's the part of the brain involved with vision, that those lobes are activated. If you tell people to imagine doing some physical activity, you'll see the motor cortex showing activation. Just imagining something is happening is enough to activate those portions of the brain associated with that thought, the worry, or the pain. What do you think of that? So just you thinking about these things is starting to activate your brain chemistry. It is real. It is not airy-fairy bullshit. It is not, you know, woo. It, there's no woo. I don't, I don't hand you any woo. Everything I hand you is science-based. And I'm hoping everyone listening believes in science. I mean, these days I know that's up for question, but it should not be, <laughs> right? Research that has been replicated over and over. So this is you stepping into your parents' house to celebrate Hanukkah and thinking it's going to suck. Because that's what's happening. You think it, but you have mental pictures in your head about it. And maybe you're even remembering something that sucked before and you're activating that brain chemistry. So now, right, everything is, is up for seeing things that suck on every level. This is you thinking that the Christmas party at your office is going to be uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, you're like, well, the reality is it's been uncomfortable before. The reality is my parents have said things I don't like before at these things. So I'm predicting the future. But you're not just, you're predicting it in a way that you're making it happen. You're not leaving room for anything else to happen because of how you're acting and what you're bringing in and what you believe. This is you in so many situations where you're expecting to be too busy. I'm going to be overwhelmed. It's going to be really hard. You know, whenever we use that language, that's what we set up. You're convincing yourself, you're doing a nocebo effect. You're convincing yourself of the negative side effects of what you're about to do. And they come true, just like in the in these studies. Okay. I know. I should be freaking you out right now. Right now, you should be thinking, holy crap. What I think is reality isn't reality. Yes. If you're thinking that, you're listening well. If you're not, then I need you to go re-listen and come back to me because it's, it's the truth of it. So problem number three, and then I'll get to my tool. The third problem is you expect others to respect your boundaries. Okay? I know. That's the third problem around your expectations. You expect other people to hold your boundaries. You know I love to talk about boundaries. By the way, the new book, my, I just talked to my publisher, coming out in early 2023 about boundaries. I'm going to have a whole thing. And it's going to be, again, in my membership. We're going to be talking about boundaries, like right off the bat. That's going to be open also in February. So uh, get ready. <laughs> I'm going to be doing some major teaches. And for anybody who doesn't do that, I'm going to do some other teaches that uh, we'll have on the website. But anyway. So 
the bottom line, you've got to know and hold your boundaries if you want to be happy through the holidays, right? It's not anyone else's job to hold your boundaries. I know I hated learning this too. I hated it. I hated it. It's nice when they do. It's lovely when other people respect them, but it's not their job. And it's especially not when you don't even, that's the thing. You don't hold your boundary and then you're angry that someone else doesn't respect it enough to hold it. Are you kidding me? You don't even hold it. And a boundary isn't just you, well, and I hear this all the time. Someone will say to me, well, I told them my boundary, Abby. I said it. Yeah. And then what? A boundary is nothing without a response. A boundary, when you state it like that, that's just stating your standard. And that's all. And I'm going to, I explain all this in my book and I get into all the nitty gritty of how to, you know, decide all this. And I've talked about boundaries before and done other nitty gritty work here. You can get it for free here on the podcast if you go take a look. But I am telling you, think about this, right? So if you, if there's no response, yeah, you told you about, but what'd you do about it? Did you walk out? Did you leave the conversation? Did you tell them clearly what you were going to do if they kept doing this? You know, you can't, it's very nice to say something out loud, but unless there's some response attached, that's not a boundary. That is just you saying what you'd like. Okay. I know hard truth. Cause I love you coming at you. So you want to have high standards, you know, your boundaries. You want to have really good boundaries, really high standards. I say this all the time, but low expectations. You've heard me say this before. <laughs> and most people have it reversed, right? They have low standards and high expectations. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So most people accept all kinds of bad behavior from other people, low standards, but then they're angry and resentful that they're being treated that way, <laughs> high expectations. And if you want a happy... Uh, and fulfilled life, you've got to identify your standards, create boundaries from those, and stick to them while you balance keeping your expectations low. So, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop that there. So that's your other thing. You have to keep those. Okay. So what's the one tool you can use this holiday season? And really forever, but this holiday season especially, to change those expectations and create joy and connection. What do you do? There's one thing you can do. I've talked about it before, but I'm going to do it a little different today. And that is that you can, what we call it, you can flip the script. Okay? You can flip the script. So, so let's say maybe you're late getting to Christmas dinner at your parents' house and you're feeling stressed out. <laughs> Instead, you can stop and remind yourself how grateful you are to be celebrating with the people who, who love you and being late isn't the end of the world. That's flipping the script. Burn the turkey? 
think of you can go as far as to be grateful that you can afford a turkey when so many can't. And who likes turkey anyway? No matter what the, the, the negative, the yucky thing is, put, you want to push yourself to find something positive or at least neutral in the other person or situation. It doesn't matter how small it is. So again, so you can fi- flip the script. And in, in fancy psychological terms, we call this cognitive reframing. And I did a whole episode about this called How to Stop Overthinking and Let Things Go That Bother You. So you can, I'll link to that in the show notes, or you can go search that on the website that, you know, how to stop overthinking and let things go that bother you. So, and I'm going to highly suggest you give that a listen before the holidays, get it right, get into full swing, or really before any time you're going to meet with your family. But for now, here's what I mean. So that's that's going to take you all through my seven steps and blah, 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 and all the, or five steps, whatever it is, all the things. But, but I'm going to give you a nice little bite right here. So reframing, again, is taking something that's, and I'm going to give you some nitty gritty examples. So we're going to get right to it, okay? Reframing is taking something that's said and putting it again in a new frame or a new way of thinking, okay? So what you remember what I said earlier, the real problem we have is being so sure we're right about something. You know, my mother-in-law hates me. Uh, everyone's talking about how terrible I look in this dress or how much weight I've gained. You know, I don't know. I know people are judging how I'm parenting my, my, my son. We then ascribe all kinds of meaning to what they say or don't say or what we assume they think. And we play these negative thoughts on a loop over and over, right? You know you do this. And worse yet, <laughs> you decide it's a fact and find all kinds of evidence for your beliefs. And again, I already went over why that's not real, okay? I already talked about that in the earlier problems, why none of that's real. I gave you four reasons why that's bullshit, okay? So again, you're creating the reality. It's not reality that's creating your beliefs. It's the other way around, okay? So reframing gets us away from what we're, you know, so sure is the truth and instead puts the responsibility and focus on us and what we're thinking and doing instead of the other person and what we believe they're thinking and doing. Because the only place we have control, of course, is what we're, with what we're thinking and doing. So that's what gets us out of the unhappy, helpless feeling. That's what gets us feeling good. Yeah, that's how we find some connection, joy, and ease in the holidays. Okay, so when you look at a situation person, a thought, or a feeling from a different perspective, it opens your mindset to this new point of view, a, a new a new angle on what's happening so you can think differently about it and learn how to let things go or stand up for yourself, you know, hold your boundary with clarity, with love, with patience, with kindness, with compassion. It, Yes, it's possible. You're like, no way, Abby. Yes, it's absolutely possible. So remember what I've said a million times, which is so true, Albert Ellis's work, you feel the way you think. So changing your thinking about something will change your feeling about it. That's how cognitive reframing is so friggin' effective. That's how you go from feeling shitty to feeling peaceful about something. You can stop letting it bother you. You can start being in your moments. You can actively decide to let something go with love or speak up from a, again, from a confident, loving place. That's where all the beauty is. The thoughts you think and the subsequent emotions that you feel, again, the order of it, are pretty much always rooted in some sort of old negative pattern that you've likely had since childhood. And these way, you know, the ways you were 
thinking and coping, they served you in some way then, I'm sure as a kid, but they they just don't serve you anymore. And so it's really time to get a new perspective on something by reframing. And you can you know, really just finally change these old patterns. You can gain control over your thoughts and then your feelings, and which means you can start feeling better. <laughs> so remember, a belief is just a thought you've had over and over again. That's all a belief is. You can so you can create new patterns of thought and beliefs, and those become new healthy habits and ways of feeling. That's how it works. It's that simple. It really I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's simple. So I think my my favorite cognitive reframe of all time that I, I say quite a bit is that life is happening for you, not to you, right? That's a cognitive reframe. That's just a quick example of one. Uh, thinking of problems as challenges, that's another cognitive reframe, right? Again, you're just, it's a little different perspective, a little different take, but I want to get down to some nitty gritty examples and how you can reframe these thoughts and conversations because, you know, things that might actually happen this holiday season. So here are some situations you might have already found yourself in uh, and relate to. And these come, you know, from my clients. I just, I take notes, you know, I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. So you might find like the, I call it the pushy relative, right? Maybe it's your parents. You know, when are you going? When are you two going to give us some grandbabies? <laughs> okay, that might come up at your next holiday meal. Uh, so the reframe. So the first thing is what you do is you reframe it in your head. Um, you know, that could be something like, okay, to maybe this is your mother talking to you. To my mom, having kids means that my husband and I will stay together and start a real life. I I don't agree with this, but to her, she's worried on some level and wants me to be stable and safe because she loves me. And that is usually what that's coming from. Or <clears throat> all my mom ever cared about was being a mom and being needed. I think she sees, you know, she probably sees grandkids as a means to being needed again and being in that role again. Uh, she's coming from her own fear of not feeling comfortable in her own skin and needing someone to focus on, right? It's not about me. This isn't about me. This is about her stuff. Or maybe all of her compatriots are having grandchildren. They're all talking about them and she's feeling somehow inadequate. And again, this is her issue that she doesn't have grandchildren. She wants to brag. She wants to whatever. It could even be that, right? Any of those things are a cognitive reframe for what's going on as opposed to you just sitting there feeling resentful and angry. So now what could you say? So so that's got said to you, you're doing the cognitive reframe. Now, what could you say? Um, you could say, you know, oh, mom, I am so happy you're excited for grandkids. <laughs> and it's hard for me, not but, notice the but. And it, there's no but. And, you know, and, and but I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it's hard for me when you ask about it. And don't say always. And you always ask about it, right? Don't do that. But you might say when, when you ask about it. Or if you need to, when you ask about it, when we're together or so often or something. I promise to let you know when we start thinking about it. In the meantime, I would love for you to, you know, just allow it, allow us to figure it, figure out our timing and we will let you know. I promise, promise. See that? Very different energy here. Uh, there's also this holiday season, you might get some political statement that you don't appreciate. Um, you know, uh, I still think Trump did a good job, great job. You know, that might come out of your uncle's mouth, right? You're at the table just dying. So 
you reframe in your head. My uncle and I have very different political views. I don't need to convince him of anything, and I can allow him to have his thoughts just as I'd like him to allow me to have mine. He's not going to convince me of anything. And as strongly as I feel about Trump being a racist piece of crap, he feels as strongly that he's not. So what I could say, so what can you say from there? Hey, Uncle... Uncle Joe, you know, he says it, right? I think Trump did a great job. You say, I love you, Uncle Joe. And we both know that this is a topic we disagree on. There are so many things I would love to chat with you about besides Trump. And then go to the new topic, insert a new topic. And I will tell you, this is actually my favorite way of responding to many things that might come your way when you don't like what someone's bringing up. I have a, one of my brothers um, uh, doesn't believe, you know, doesn't believe in vaccinations and that kind of stuff, right? And which is, you know, hard for me. <laughs> and he often, when we're talking, will just start spouting stuff. Like he can't help himself. He'll start, you know, and I love him so much, but he will just start and he's educated and smart and all the things, but he just goes a different way. And he will start spouting things to me about it. And I, and it's what I do. I stop and I go, you know, I said, oh, sweetie, I love you so much. And there are so many things I'd rather we talked about right now in our time together on the phone than that. So tell me about the kids. And I just, then I just go into it. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about, you know, how's my niece doing? How's my nephew doing? Uh, what, what are you working on right now at work? Uh, what, you know, and I just have a million, there's a million things to talk about besides that. If someone uh, comes to you around, I think this happens a lot too around weight and food and things. Same thing, you know, there's, there's so many things you'd rather talk about. And, and I should get into that because that's like another good example. The, I call it the shaming people, right? So, or where we feel shame with what someone says. So you might hear this, this holiday, right? Are you, are you really going to have a second helping or something about your weight. I think this comes up a lot with my clients. Um, and it used to come up a lot with me, with my mom, um, who I've shared before was an, you know, a narcissist. And there was a lot going on around how I looked to her for her. And so uh, she would often comment on my body, on my food, on my, all that stuff. And so, and it would feel very shaming on my end, right? So you got to do a reframe in your head about all this. So it might be, um, you know, if your dad said that to you and he's not a narcissist, you might say, um, my dad worries about my weight and health from his own fear and I don't need to be a part of that, right? But understanding that, you know, my dad loves me and to him, this is showing me he loves me by worrying about this thing. And he's trying to make sure I'm happy. He thinks I'll be in happier relationships. He thinks I'll be able to, maybe if you're single, he thinks I'll be able to find a man or a woman if I do this, or that maybe, maybe you also have some health issues related to your weight. And he's terrified. You know, these are things that people think. And it could be, again, something worse, like with my mom, you know, I would say this in my head, she's a narcissist. And sadly, she sees my body in any way, if she doesn't like it, as being a negative reflection on her. But I don't need to see it the same way. And this is, she is doing the best with the tools she has. That's my other favorite reframe. She's doing the best with the tools she has. My mom had a really 
fucked up childhood. My my mother, there was incest, there was rape, there was just terrible things in my mother's childhood. So the fact that she actually had, you know, a decent life, married someone who really loved her. My dad adored my mom, as a lot of narcissists will do. They'll get with someone who adores them. They were married 53 years when my dad died. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, she had all of us kids. We we all are living and thriving in our own ways, you know. It's it's something. Okay, yeah, there was a lot of other <laughs> yeah, there was my heroin addiction and my other siblings have been addicted to things. You know, yeah, there was shit. But overall, you know, here I am helping you right now. There there was something there, right? But so when these when when I can go there in my head and I could remember like, oh, she had such a messed up childhood. It's amazing she's even able to be loving at all, frankly. And yes, I'm always a reflection for her. Like it's so I would just feel sad. Like, cause to her, that's all she had. I remember after my dad died, um, she was like dating right away <laughs> in her 70s, you know, uh late 70s by then. And um and she got a boyfriend right away. God bless me. I thought we should all be June. You know, we should all be my mom. Like, go, go get them, girl. Like, there's very few single men in their 80s. And my mother found one. <laughs> and she started, she dated him for years till he died. You know, like, it. it's, um, you know, kind of amazing. But it's because of how she saw the world. And it was always about being reflected in a man's eyes. And so for her, when she would say those things to me, it's what it was from, believe it or not, from deep, deep down. It was also from worrying. And she would say that to me, you know, Gary, Gary's going to leave you. He's fit and very handsome. You know, he's going to, and by the way, I, I, I think I look great. <laughs> okay. But, but, but yeah, do I have, I don't know, junk in the trunk and I don't know, you know, I'm not a size two, you know, so to her that that was the problem. And you know, I I wasn't going to necessarily be able to keep him, and 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 I had nothing else to keep a man with, right? Not my personality, not my kindness, not my none of that mattered. It was my looks, um, and she would say things about my wrinkles or something because I don't, you know, I don't really do anything to my face yet. I might, so don't hold me to it. But um, I haven't really gotten. I think I've had Botox twice in all these years, you know, like I, I don't really do anything regularly. And so she would comment on it, like, you know, you really should start getting Botox, you know, again, all the things. And it's really easy to take that all very negatively, of course, <laughs> and to really be re resentful and angry. But again, when you can reframe, it makes it all very, very different in your head. So again, what you could say maybe in this situation is, you know, dad, I love you and I want to have an amazing holiday or an amazing memory with you or amazing meal with you. So I'm going to remind you not to talk about my weight, body, food, however you want to say that. And again, you can use my earlier line. There are so many things I'd love to chat about with you. You know, there are so many wonderful things going on in my life. My job is great. My partner's great. You know, my kids, whatever. I, I you know, I would love to talk about those with you. That's where I would love to spend our time together. I, I, you know, that's it. And don't say, oh, I appreciate that you worry about my weight. Don't go there. Don't because then he he's gonna keep saying stuff. Just just leave it right there. Um, hopefully that's all very helpful. I'm gonna give you one more example because I think another one that comes up is when people are competitive or passive aggressive. Uh and so this one came up with a client not that long ago, and her brother said to her, uh, she finally started working out, my client. She she hasn't been. And she started working out. She's been consistent for two days a week, which is amazing. Two days a week, she's doing it. I've been doing that for months now. 
And the, when they got together, it was her birthday over the summer. Oh no, sorry, his birthday over the summer. And, and she went and they all had dinner together. And he said, and she was like, she, she talked about, she was so proud. She'd been working out twice a week for about six months at that point. And he said, oh, you're starting working, work, you started working out two days a week. That's great. But then, you know, never, that would never be enough for me. I, I just finished another triathlon, right? And he's going on about his triathlon. And so she said she was able to reframe it because we've been doing this work. You know, my my poor brother clearly has, you know, this poor guy, he has low self-esteem because no one feels the need to put others down so consistently who feels good about themselves. I, I don't know. You know, I think he's competing for our parents' love. You know, she she was remembering that their parents would kind of dole out the love. You know, there was always a favorite child. You know, he learned this in our in our childhood from our parents uh, he was always competing for their love because they gave it out like a pie, like a slice at a time. And if, you know, more for me meant less for him. So, you know, there's damage here and I can have compassion for him. You know, uh, I can, what he's saying is not about me. It's something he learned. And I really do know he loves me. He asked me to be here tonight. He he went out of his way to to make sure I was going to be at the birthday dinner. Um so what you can say instead, right? Just if you can feel that for a moment and feel bad, you can actually lean in, you know? Yeah. Oh, and this is what she did. I was so proud of her. She she said she just found in her heart, like, this is what he wants to talk about and he's proud of. So let me give him the love my parents didn't. Let me show him that love is abundant. Let me show him that it's not a pie where you get a slice and someone else gets less. So she just said, she goes, I know it's so cool that you do triathlons. I always tell my friends about it. And she does, by the way. She kind of brags because he's done like a half Ironman and all kinds of stuff. And so it was like, tell me more about how you feel when you're training. How did, you know, I never even asked, how did you decide to start doing triathlons? Like, where did that come from? You know, how did it feel when you... Like you've done the half Ironman. Now, are you going to do a full one? What are you thinking? Like, how does this all fit in your life? You know, it was so, she said they have the nicest conversation. She said, granted, her brother was talking a lot, but she actually felt so connected. And when they left, he was hugging her and telling her how much he loved her, like things he hadn't done before in that way. He'd always said, I love you, sis, or whatever. But he was really, she said, I could feel this deeper connection with him. And she said, I felt so loving and warm and I felt so good because it was his birthday after all, you know, let's celebrate the things you like to celebrate. And she was really able to do it. Now, whether she can do that every single time, we're all, you know, it's okay if you don't do it perfectly, but can you see how the shift happens when you reframe? Can you see how the love and compassion can come up when you start to see things differently? Um, I had another client recently, so this wasn't like a, this wasn't, this is kind of reframing, not necessarily, um, you know, for the holidays, but she, she was, they were doing something, her husband was home and, and he had come home kind of, she said in like a snippish mood <laughs> and he was snapping at her for no apparent reason, like just kind of, you know, and she said, usually when he does that, you know, she barks back. I don't appreciate you taking out your bad mood on me. You know, she gets really angry. And she said, she just stopped for a minute and was again, kind of reframing it in her head. Like, wow, he must've, he must be feeling crappy to be taking it out on me. Cause he really does love me. I know he does. What is like, wow, you know, where's his even emotional intelligence that this is the best he can do? He's so not mindful or aware of how he's doing these things. So, you know, she said, I took a breath and I just 
started asking questions, which is always your other answer, right? I've talked about asking questions a lot instead of making statements. And she said, she got into the questions with him and she said, hey, is there anything I can do right now to help make your day easier? <laughs> and she said he was so thrown off, like, wait, what? And she said, is there anything you need right now from me? Like, she just put it out there like that instead of responding to the snapping. And guess what? I know just what you think. He stopped snapping at her. He was like, well, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she said, okay. She said, well, can I, can I give you, she said, I need a hug. Can I give you a hug? And, or can I get a hug? However she said it. And he was like, he said, yeah. And she said, when they hugged, it was just all gone. <laughs> so then they hugged and it was all gone. But she asked that other question first. You know, that's, it was such a great kind of intervention. And again, reframe with the intervention. It's amazing. So, and lastly, I wanted to say that there's a few, I have some favorite questions I ask myself to help me reframe. Okay. These are things I help, I ask myself to help me reframe. So if I'm in a really difficult position, situation with something, something that's really bugging the crap out of me, I, here's, here's the questions I ask and what I teach my clients. You know, what can I learn from that thing? Whatever just happened, whatever got said, what can I learn from it? Then I, I also ask, I wonder what part of this is mine? What part of what is playing out is mine? Or, and, or, you know, what's my part and how upset I got at my dad? What's my part in that and how upset I got about whatever or at my boss, whatever it could be. And then usually lastly, I ask something like, if I could do one thing differently right now, what would it be? Or if I could do one thing differently in that situation in the future, what would I like to do differently? And that brings the power, the responsibility, and the control back to myself. And that changes everything, everything. Because in the end, so if you get nothing else out of the podcast today, I need you to get this. You got to remember this one thing. You can't control how other people, including your family or your partner, will act. But you can control how you respond to their actions. In fact, that's the only thing you can control is your reaction. That's it. That's all you got. I know. And I'm going to leave you with a final quote from uh, uh, Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoics, uh, a quote I love. And it's, if you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. And this is, and this you have the power to revoke at any moment. I know. So good, right? That's it for today. I am so excited to bring this information to you and to get it to you before this big holiday season starts, at least here in the United States. I wish you so much love. I'm sending big love to you right now from my heart that you have an amazing, amazing, really, that you set this holiday season up to be exactly as you want it to be as we're going to enter 2023. So that that wonderful momentum is starting now and you're going to bring it right into the new year. So don't wait for January to start. Do start it now and get that really rolling. So when you roll into 2023, that next goal you have, that next thing you want, it's it's you're already at that high-flying plane, that high-flying disc, and you're able to go get it. That's it. I will talk to you next week. Know I adore you. 
and have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.